Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. They tell you what they know. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. The pocket that you know. Hit my music. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. They tell you what they know. Deuce and more. Deuce and more, Deuce and more, the that you know. Hey, welcome into the Deuce and Mo podcast, recording this on a Tuesday night after the Kings start a road trip in Detroit against a three-win Pistons team. The Kings win 131-110. to 110. There's nothing else to talk about, right? There's nothing, an easy Victory over the Pistons in Detroit. No, it wasn't that easy for Sacramento. They allowed the Pistons to score 47 points in the first quarter. Sacramento was down 20 in this game, but they locked down down the stretch. They outscored Detroit 102-63 in the final 36 minutes of the game and get a much-needed win against the Pistons. They are now on the season 22-14. and I'm Deuce Mason in Sacramento. Morgan Reagan is in San Francisco. Each and every one of our podcasts presented by our friends for Northwest Exteriors. Check out northwestexteriors.com. Morgan Reagan, how are you doing on a Tuesday? I'm good. After a King's W, um, I didn't think we were going to sit here being good. I was was honestly, I was so worried. I was just like, I'm going to be in San Francisco. And it, again... It's so selfish, but you almost feel like, what a waste of time. They lost to the Pistons. Like, why that would even become the mindset, I don't know. But sometimes it feels like that. Like, you're like, wait, I'm about to break down the shittiest game of the year. And instead, I'm just so glad that not only did they fight back, but there was a lot of good to also take away from this game on top of that. But there at the end of the day, it's a W and I'm now convinced that this is how we're going to see a lot more wins throughout this season. Dear God, no, Dear God, I'm sorry. No. It was, it was a roller coaster ride. That first quarter was disgusting by the Sacramento Kings. We should also note that the Pistons were without their best player, Cade Cunningham in this game. They're also without Isaiah Stewart in this game. Um, and they get out to a 47 point first quarter Let's just start there, Morgan, because I think yeah. that that was probably the most shocking thing about tonight. And I think your point you're trying to make is like, Deuce, you got to stop being shocked at these things now. This is who this team is. That It doesn't matter who they play. If they don't show up and play defense, it's night-night time for them. <coughs> is this... Should I do something? Wait, I'm... Uh, I'm not kidding you. A bug flew in my mouth. I saw... Uh. Oh my god. You guys, I 
Do oh. I call 911? I wish I was doing a bit. I saw this ball <laughs> fly, and then I felt it go in my throat. <coughs> I like honestly, all I thought about was like, wait, he's gonna choke and oh. die on the podcast? It was and everything. Nobody... It was, it was disgust, and it was like, I oh, I'm choking, and I felt the bug in my throat. I think it's still there. Are you okay? Oh, that was so gross. What kind of bug was it? I, like a little gnat thing. I saw it just flying, and I was going to hit it at one point, and then it flew right into my mouth. I mean, if it makes you feel better, there's like a statistic that you eat like 100 spiders in your lifetime or something. Yeah, but I, I'm usually asleep. I'm not like actively going, yeah, I eat about 100 in my lifetime. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. No, they just crawl in your mouth when you're sleeping. Um, oh. for a lifetime of, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. You're eating a lot of spiders in your lifetime. So like, just so you know, it's very common that this is happening. Oh my God. That was, so I'm bad. just trying to make you feel better because you look like you were going to throw up. Um, where are we? Um, <laughs> get yourself together first. Are you? All right. You... I'm back. I'm sorry. Whew. Let's talk about that first quarter. That's what that first quarter was like, right? No, no, because th- th- I don't think there's anything to really compare to what just went down. Like, we all thought it was a bit because dude's this bull. This is you. You're like the boy that cries wolf. And one time you're going to be choking on something and none of us are going to save you because of all your other bits. But yes, you were just choking on a bug. And now we'll get back to the first quarter and how the Kings somehow allowed a team without Cade Cunningham to shoot the ball really freaking well, 76% from the field, I believe, and they finished with a 47-point first quarter. It was so frustrating, and let's start why. The Kings were down 50 at home to the Pelicans. They end up losing by 33. I think we all felt lame after that game, right? We just felt bad. Players didn't really come out and talk about it after the game. It just was hideous in every way. And plus, it's against a Pelicans team that has had your number this year. Mm-hmm. So, I'm thinking, okay. <clears throat> a day off, you fly to Detroit to take on a Pistons team who literally has three wins. They came into this game 3-33. and 33. Oh, and Cade Cunningham's not playing. Isaiah Stewart's not playing. My thought process is, oh, They're going to take care of business tonight. And this is the perfect recipe to take care of business. You come out of the gates and play with force, play with an edge. And not only did they not play that way, they were sloppy offensively. They were making defensive mistakes. Every way imaginable in transition, Jalen Duran was just pushing, scoring. They were getting paint touches, spraying out for three. Turnovers, transition, miscommunication, going under on screens that they shouldn't be going under or closing out hard on non three point shooters. I'm watching going, how are these mistakes happening after what just happened against the Pelicans the other night? And then you allow 47 points and down 20. It wasn't as if I thought the Kings couldn't back, get back in the game. I thought they could. This Pistons team's obviously not that good. But it's just you you expect more. A Pistons team that averaged coming into tonight 10.4 made threes per game. Knocked down 7 of 10 in that first quarter. They were, at the end of the first quarter, shooting a blistering 
6% on 19 of 25 shooting, Morgan Reagan. Yes, I Crazy. said the 70, 76%. Um, and it it felt like, like they were just, they were knocking down everything, right? But, but what we're seeing is that some of these teams that aren't good shooting teams or they're really attacking the paint, they're shooting really well against the Sacramento Kings. And like, it's, it's not just one game now. And you're seeing that where it's going, okay, even if they are a bad shooting team and they're not known for their shooting, they're still feeling confident shooting against the Sacramento Kings, which means that something's going on with the Kings defense, which we already knew something was going on, but or it, it's, you know, the defense isn't up to par. But now, really, you're seeing so many different flaws in this Kings defense and not just with rotations. I think it's more with how teams aren't feeling the Kings. They're not, um, the Kings are not being physical enough. They are not being, they're not showing enough pressure along the perimeter. They're not showing enough hands in the face contest shots. And that's where I get worried because I think Mike Brown has talked about it a lot, the control, the controllables. That's something you can control. Like you're going to have your missed, your missed rotations and all those different things on the defensive end, but you can control the way that you get up in someone's face. You can control the way that you get up in their body. You knock them around and you stay physical. They're also giving up some open threes and that's because they are so focused on protecting the paint they're having guys help so much and then it's help and recover but if these players aren't getting the initial resistance if there's a good screen and the help doesn't really matter much right because then they're already kind of in the paint like for example tonight monk got screened and tried to fight through a screen he was trailing Jaden Ivey, but Ivey had enough space. He saw Joe Harris just chilling in the corner. Herter was in the paint, but really wasn't impacting anything. He goes to throw the pass to Harris. Herter nearly deflects it and had a good contest, but someone like Joe Harris, who is literally a professional shooter, is going to be able to just catch that in his shooting pocket and launch yeah. it and bury it. And so... I think part of it is like, hey, we're going to trust the fact that like these teams aren't going to knock down a couple of threes. We've got to protect the paint, but it starts with being able to guard your man. It's being able to help and recover for sure. But man, they just, there are too many times the perimeter defense is just not good enough. And then you put your defense in a compromising position. Yeah. And that, I mean, that that's, that's it right there. It, I mean, I even just go back to the Orlando Magic game where you go, okay, we got to protect the paint. This team likes to, likes to, you know, score in the paint where they're knocking down all their threes. So all these teams are feeling that confident from three-point land, whether it's a Joe Harris or it's, you know, someone else who isn't even that great of a shooter because they're just not being felt. I think the... Can I say one more I, thing on that? Yeah. When Joe Harris is in the game, I'm not helping off cor the corner. for It's Joe yeah. Harris. They, like that's, again, know your personnel out there. It's one thing if you're like, hey, we can help off. Jay and Ivy. We're not worried about him. But when guys like Alec Burks, like he can hit a three. Like you don't help be so aggressive helping off. Or Joe Harris, these guys knock down shots and especially open ones. Well, but even Jaden Ivy, he ended up hitting two threes, you know, in this game. I think he was like two of nine. But my point is, even when he was knocking down threes, I was just like, okay, yeah. even there, even if you're like, I can go under the screen on this because it's Jaden Ivy and I understand my personnel. I think 
the Kings are at this point where it's like, no, there's, there's game plans. There's game plans, game plan, understand your personnel, study up, do your homework. But the homework you don't need to do is remaining physical and being, being on top of your guy, uh, stuck to him, understanding that like, you need to make sure that they are annoyed by you at the end of the game. And Keegan Murray talked about it with us after the game, we asked him a little bit about the mindset going into this one. And he said, there was, a, there was some tough conversations at practice. And, um, you know, we were talking about like staying physical and like being aggressive. And I think, I think with this Kings team, what I do like, they don't just take those buzzwords and go be aggressive. Okay. I think they really do take it to heart, but there's still something not clicking enough, clicking quick enough in some of these games for them. Um, but Hey, it clicked later on in this one. It did. And to their credit, we're going to spend some time obviously talking about how they responded after that. I think just walking away, my first initial reaction was I was beyond irritated with that first quarter. I just thought that response was pathetic. And it, it had the Kings not responded the rest of the way, we'd be having some tough conversations right now about things because you have to respond better in these moments, especially with how you've been playing lately. And I, I, I hated that first quarter so much. Now, you know, it, it got to a point, too, where some of those mistakes that were happening in the first quarter when you've got five turnovers and then in transition, they're getting stuff done. They they knocked down 7 of 10 from 3. You're 0 for 6. That's going to impact things. But it, it was wild because even when they started to play a little better defense toward the end of the first, I felt like then all those guys had confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Boyan was just like, I don't care. You can put a hand in my face. I'm knocking it down. I'm in rhythm now. You know, he was really red hot. He had 13 points in the first quarter. Jalen Duran, who, God, man, he is still so young. And talk about some upside. He had 10 points in the first quarter. And for a guy his size, that athletic, to be able to, like, get a ball and push and show off his handles a bit, he was a problem for Sacramento in that first yeah, he's so like you said, he's fun to watch because he's he's such a young big and he can push through. I thought uh, Domas did a much better job of just trying to like body him up throughout the rest of the game. But it was it's just it's crazy because you have a 20 year old who's smacking them in the face first. And that's what that's where I just didn't understand it because I go, you already know what you're going up against when it comes to Duran, And, you know what not only what he's capable of like putting the ball on the floor but like his strength alone I go how how do you not allow some of these other guys get their game going and it just felt like the other guys were really getting their game going there early I thought one of the guys that jumped out to me early from Sacramento standpoint was Sabonis I mean he was attacking I know Duran was getting his but man, Sabonis was coming out. He had that dunk where he was all fired up screaming. I'm like, oh, you guys are down 15 right now. But I liked how hard he was playing. I felt like he was the one that was like, hey, I'm coming out. They can't stop me. I'm going to go at Duran's chest. I don't care who's on me. I'm going hard to the basket. He was 10 for 11 with the shots in the first half. All of them in the paint. On the night, this freak, dude. 37 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. He does it on 16 of 21 shooting. And he was the one Kings player that in the first quarter brought some juice, brought some energy from the start. So I loved how he came out. But then the rest of the way, after that hideous first quarter, I thought Sacramento responded in a, in a monster way. 
Yeah. And I mean, you talk about Domas and just his energy from the start too. He, that was his ninth triple double of the season. And sometimes we just, we go, okay, another triple double. But like, you know, when these are some, some of these other guys and bigger names around the league, we're like a triple double for Jokic. And you think about what that triple double uh, led to in this one. I think it really led to the Kings having a different type of energy, even going into the rest of the game. It's like, you can always rely on Domas Sabonis, even if you don't like some of his double-double games where you're like, that wasn't much. But tonight with his 37 points, being able to just dominate and score in the paint and then not having to rely on the three-point shot early on too, which I thought that was huge. Um, but they also, they weren't making some of them, but they weren't taking too many That's of them. That's a great point. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just excited to say that's no, a great point. No, no. Like, I was, on I was, a night where the Kings score 131 points, they launched, they were 13 of 33 from downtown. It wasn't like a crazy absurd number. It wasn't like they were forcing it. We have seen games this year where they get down early and it's like, all right, welcome to Chuck City. And I think this team did a good job of going, okay, this Pistons team is not, they can't stop us on the perimeter. They don't really have a ton of threats inside. Duran can be a good shot blocker, but if Sabonis is sealing him off and Keegan's attacking to the basket, which he did tonight, Malik Monk, De'Aaron had his moments. I think the Kings felt like, oh, we can get whatever we want in the paint. They scored 82 points in the paint tonight. 82! Yeah, I think I think I heard Katie on the broadcast talk about the... Uh, franchise record for points in the paint in a game was like 88. Wow. So yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I have that right. But either way, I mean, that's yeah. 82 points in the paint. Like you said, they were going, okay, let's just keep pounding this in. The only, the only reason why, you know, when you look even across the board after that first quarter, you're like, well, wait, why are the Kings down by so many? It was because of their defense and um, the Pistons were just making so many shots. And that's why the story of the second quarter was so much better because it was like, all right, their defense picked up a little bit. There was more deflections. There was more steals. There was more rebounds because they were actually contesting more of these shots, which led to them pushing the ball in a fast break and having more of an early offense. I'm glad you wrapped the defense because that was the key thing that was missing in the first quarter. And then you're right. They start getting confidence. They start knocking down everything. And then what do you know? 47 to 29 after the first. Crazy. Um, Sacramento outscored the Pistons 39 to 18 in the second quarter. So, yeah, obviously the offense got going. And Sacramento, after giving up, you know, what was it? I said 76. You said 76% in that first quarter. Mm -hmm. Sacramento in the second quarter, 17 of 21, 81% in that second quarter. Shit. And okay. the Pistons, Yeah, they were four of 20, man. Hey. They were four of 20 in that second quarter. So it was uh, 39 to 18. So the numbers back that up. But I, I agree with you. I thought for stretches, the Kings defense was really engaged. And De'Aaron got off to a kind of a slow offensive start. But what wasn't slow was what he was doing defensively. I felt like he was playing more physical tonight. I even thought Kevin Herter had some really good defensive moments. Herter cannot make a shot to save his life right now. I'm convinced he may not make another shot in his NBA career. Uh, what was he tonight? I didn't even look. It didn't feel like he had anything going. Kevin Hurd, no. he was 2 for 11, 0 for 6 from 3. 
But I'll tell you, man, he had some nice plays, helped defense. He had a block on Ivy, I believe. He had five rebounds, five assists. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm going over. Big pick. Let's take a step back. The defense. Yeah. No, but that's a good point about those guys because that's something like for both those guys on the post game show, I feel bad now again looking back at it because I'm talking about De'Aaron not having his best game and Kevin Herter getting to start tonight, but really just finding a way to contribute with his five rebounds and a five assists. You know, I'll take that. I'll take that. When you're doing the other things, that's great. But it didn't give enough love to what they were doing defensively and or their moments defensively, those two as individuals even. And I think you're exactly right. Kevin Herter was trying to like use his length against guys. He had that block and then De'Aaron Fox getting up in guys. I think Duran had that offensive foul uh, with that screen because De'Aaron was going to come underneath the screen and Duran just kept moving with it, even though it's like, I don't even think he meant to move that way, but it ended up being an offensive foul. And I just thought De'Aaron was doing a good job of confusing guys defensively and getting up in guys, um, which again, didn't give enough love to for a game that he had in off. Uh, uh, I don't even want to call it an off night because he finished with 26 points and everything. And he kind of found more of a flow there late in the game. It's just, we expect so much more from De'Aaron as a tone setter and he's consistently done that throughout the year so then when he doesn't you just go what is he okay what's going on here it's been a few things now where it just doesn't feel the same where I'm not concerned but I am just questioning like what is he okay yeah I I thought the way things were going in that fourth quarter I was a little surprised they brought him back in I'm not totally surprised because Mike Brown does play his guys a lot of minutes you know even when the game seems like oh it's, it's cool I just thought that group with Monk and we'll, I know we're going to hit on that a little bit too Monk running the show was playing so well I'm going you know second I have a back-to-back De'Aaron looks a little sluggish a little bit out there maybe he's tired his shots look short uh, maybe you could sit him but De'Aaron came back in and knocked down some shots and maybe that was good for him as this team has to get ready to play the Hornets coming up uh, tomorrow it's a quick turnaround but yeah, I thought Fox's defense was good. Keegan, that guy's defense. He's just bringing it every night. Uh, I thought Trey Lyles had some really nice defensive moments in yep. this game tonight. Again, taking charges like he always does. Um, so it was a great response after a hideous start. I, I, I mentioned this on social media right after the game. If you would have told me before the game that the Kings would go to Detroit and win 131 to 110, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. I didn't think we'd be on the that journey to get there. I didn't think if you would have been like, yeah, but they're gonna be they're gonna give up forty seven in the first. I'm like, whoa, whoa what? Yeah, no, yeah, no. And that that was you know, and I think a lot of people want to be like, what? How that's so disappointing. That's so what well, is it? It absolutely is. But like, you have to remember, this game is not always going to be perfect. Now, the frustrating part about this is that it hasn't been perfect for the Kings in a little bit now, right? right? It feels like even if the record is better, it feels like it's been harder for the Kings to find ways to get wins or they're not taking care of business against the, the teams that they're supposed to. But like I mentioned before, the Detroit Pistons against the Boston Celtics. They were up big against the Boston Celtics. Celtics 
came back and found a way to win as they should. And no, and we're not sitting here talking about how shitty were the Celtics playing in that game. Oh my God, they can't have games like that because we're not covering the Celtics. Sure. You know, like I'm sure Boston Celtic fans are like, that's not championship basketball. Ah, but like at the end of the day, I look at this one, I go, the Kings not only found a way to come back in this one, they found a way to come back and dominate in this one. And I think really, truly, even if we want to be frustrated as everyone can be, you have to look at the end result. Yeah, you were down 20 and then you end up getting up by 21 at the end. That's pretty wild. It's That's, a pretty wild I mean, turnaround. I will say this. So I think part of it too is you're coming off the heels of, last game right yeah so the way it ended was bad and then you go to the next chapter chapter 36 detroit let's open the book hmm. and then it's a 47 point first quarter that's not the response you expect and you know it's something that we had talked about earlier like the kings in their losses th this year are losing by an average of 16 and a half points per game it's absurd yeah. You know, 16 and a half points per game. That's near the bottom of the NBA. And so it, we, their identity right now is a team that you go, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, could they lose to Detroit? Yeah, that's that's where we're at. And I think something you said at the start of this tonight was like, I think this is kind of what you're going to expect. And at least for now, as it until they prove otherwise or unless there's roster moves. And, and I think that's frustrating because last year I felt like the team did they competed. It was like, hey, they weren't going to give up. Even if they lost, it was going to be a battle. And now you're starting to see these games, you know, like the last game or the game at home against Charlotte or the yep. Portland game. And you're like, this, this can't keep happening if you want to take a step. Like, if you yeah. want to be a legit team in the West, you got to be like, you can't be giving up a 47-point first quarter, right? Like, you give up a 47-point quarter to the Celtics or really any other team in the game league. Game over. You're losing. It's over. Yep. Game over. And even if you do come back in some of those, you go, you go, God, it's, it's the first night of a back-to-back -back and look how much more energy you're having to put into yeah. the game because you can't sit your guys because you're not taking care of business right away. And taking care of business right away has been the thing that has also pushed them to some of these losses this season or losing by an average of 16 points because they keep getting in these holes. And when they get out of these holes and they're resilient, I go, hell yeah. I love to see it. The, the NBA, basketball, it's a game of runs. I get it. It's going to happen. If you pull out the W, it's a difficult thing to do. But you're exactly right. We can still sit here and talk about why we feel like it's not okay or why we don't want to see that anymore and probably why they don't want to see that anymore because then they are having to start describe these games as ugly wins, ugly wins. And it's like, you can't have a whole bunch of ugly wins in the postseason. Teams are just so on top of it and playing more of a, a crisp and engaged and uh, a, a studied up type of game where it's like mistakes cannot be made early on if you want to go deep and further into the postseason. Season. And I think that's where sometimes our mindset is where we're happy about the dub, but we also know what this means for later on the future of this team and where they want to go. Yes, exactly. Well, let's talk about one guy that we're obviously big fans of and it's Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray tonight. My goodness. Yep. 
you know, I don't know if he's got a little extra juice for the Pistons, right? And, and no, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if there's extra motivation just from the Jaden Ivey stuff around the draft time, the conversation around it. Remember the famous picture from draft night? That really wasn't a big deal, but, you know, people looked at it where you had the, you know, four of the five top picks in a picture, but Keegan was not in the picture. And it just felt like Keegan was kind of overlooked a lot on draft night. And there was so much buzz about Jaden Ivey and Detroit laughing at Sacramento, blah, blah, blah. Well, it seems like he plays pretty well against the Pistons, and tonight was the same thing. Like, he, I felt like, did a great job defending Jaden Ivey, made that switch to put him on Ivey. He had to deal with Boyan a bit, and then he got his offense, and he did it in a variety of ways again. I love seeing him. Probably my favorite play of the game with him was passing up a three, pump fake, jab step on Boyan, step back three. Mm. What do you think of Keegan Murray's game? It's just the way that he's scoring, Deuce, it's a little bit of everything. And it's something that we started talking about with De'Aaron Fox even this year, being like, he, you know, we already know he can put the, bo- the ball on the floor and get to the basket, but man, his range, you know, he, his game is evolving. And I feel like Keegan's game, his his leap on both ends of the floor this season has just has just been incredible. But then you look at his offensive game and you look at his confidence with putting the ball on the floor in the way that he is creating in so many different ways, whether it's with a floater, whether it's at the rim, whether it's with the step dunks, some dunks, like Hmm. going down with authority. And it's just like, okay, this is his second year. And this is what we're seeing from him. And I think there are people around the league sometimes that where you go, okay, when, when there's trade conversations, you're going to have to give up Keegan Murray. The Kings are not going to give up Keegan Murray. What you're seeing from Keegan Murray is exactly what every team in the NBA would want. Your modern day body size that can do it on both ends of the floor at an efficient, effective level. And that's exactly what we're seeing from Keegan Murray, even in some shittier first halves like this one. I say shitty, sorry, shitty first half, but in that second quarter, he had 13 of his 15 first half points. He finished with 32 points for Sacramento. Sacramento had four guys score 20 or more. You had Monk with 20 points. He had nine assists. De'Aaron had 26. Sabonis had that triple-double with 37, 13, and 10. And then 32 points on 13 of 17 shooting for Keegan. Five of nine from downtown. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I I love this game. Like this is and now it's like for him, it's can you string this together now, right? You know you're going to have ups and downs as a young player in this game, but when you got a 32 point game, you can't have an eight point one rebound game next, right? Like it's there's gotta be some level of consistency. Yeah, I'm not saying score thirty-two every night. I'm saying find ways to be impactful every single night and that's a challenge for him is all right can you be aggressive and so i wonder if that was one of the conversations they had like before this game at at practice was like keegan like you got to be a guy out there because you have the talent but when you don't play with that assertiveness and if you play passive and i think sometimes it's too much of like well it's fox and sabonis's team Mm -hmm. no no this is a team and we we need everybody here so go get yours like you said he's got the size at six eight six nine i need you to go attack the basket with force i need you to bust out that floater do your step backs hit threes you can't be passive we can't go stretches of games where you look back and like wow he only had four shots in the second half or oh he only had seven points tonight because he took four shots you know yes it's it's like if he's if he's missing shots 
it's still going to be one of the better options usually on the offensive end if he's taking those shots. And then let's say he's having a bad shooting night. You need to make sure that he's doing all the other little things. Like the other night when he finished with the that 12 rebound game. Yep. Um, tonight, I think he had five rebounds in this one, which, hey, I'll take his five rebounds plus his 32 points. You know, like that was him being efficient on the offensive end, making sure to be aggressive. And you're exactly right. You have three guys in Domas, Fox, and... Keegan, who, well, I would say more Domas and Keegan, who are more willing to be like, have a passive night, right. you know, and be like, and be like, oh, you know, I just want to get guys into it. I think Domas sometimes is more like an assist guy where Keegan's more like, hey, this isn't my team. I don't want to take over, even though it's like, take the fuck over, yes, take over, please. take over. Like, just go. I do, like, please. And that's what De'Aaron has even been able to to start doing. But De'Aaron, he wants to be able to rely on other guys to take over if he doesn't have it. So he had 32 points tonight. Uh, we're getting a lot of people in the chat asking this question, so I figured uh, we'd go to it. A lot of people wondering if, do you think De'Aaron Fox is banged up right now? I don't, here's the thing. These guys... Deuce, think about think about playing a pickup game for you. You get you get hit a few times in the wrong spot. You're gonna be banged up, and it is not your career, it's not your life to go out the next day and to keep moving. You're gonna like sit back and be like, man, I'm a little sore on my side because so and so was going into me. Whatever. Everyone's going to be banged up at this point of the season, especially when they're as aggressive getting into paint and then playing defense like like De'Aaron Fox does on that end of the floor as well. Like you're going to be banged up. Yeah, he, He's talked about this before, even after last season, like everyone thought we were healthy. It's like, no, we're, we're playing through being banged up. It's, it's knowing what your limit is to what is completely altering your game. And if there's something like an ankle or something that is like, like affecting his game, then that's where you got to, take a step back and go, okay, let's make sure that we are fixing this because your game has a lot to do with your explosiveness and your speed. But if it's a finger, for example, like you're probably going to want to just like play through it, figure it out, alter your shot. If it's, if it's your shooting hand, make sure that you're going to the basket, whatever, not shooting as much from three, whatever it is, you got to just make sure you're adjusting your game if you are banged up. And so with him, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I think it's an it's an easy excuse for us to go to without him saying anything about it. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Some guys just struggle through stretches just happens. And it's like, we try yeah. to like search. It's like, well, this guy's scoring 30 a night. It's like, I actually thought he closed well tonight. 26 points yeah. coming into tonight in four games. I believe in January, he was averaging like 19 a game on 36% shooting his, his numbers dip dramatically, like big time. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that happened last year with him. And I feel like it happened the year before with him. And I think it just, you have to find ways to get through it. I would say, like, hey, this is why the Kings need to go take care of business. Like, tomorrow, I know we're not going to get there yet, but the, the Hornets game, like, again, a shorthanded team that just kicked your ass at, at home, right? You just lost this game at home to them. Go beat their ass and so you can play fox 17 minutes you know what i mean like that that's yeah. those are the games you have to take advantage of, of rest for sure but you know you got to fight through it i mean it's the same thing like steph curry right now is he's playing he's not playing well 
he, he's having bad nights. This is a big stretch for right. him really since Christmas. What's going on with Steph? What's, what's, what's happening? Is he hurt? I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's just got to fight through it, you know? Yep. No, and that and that's and that's bringing up just a great point about someone else who you you see greatness from all the time, yeah. and you're like you're gonna have those moments, you're gonna have those weeks, and sometimes you're gonna have those months for yourself as well. Yeah, and um, on the night, twenty six points, ten of nineteen shooting, four of seven from three tonight for uh, De'Aaron Fox. Um, the Kings may change the starting lineup tonight too. We didn't mention that. Kevin Herter was back in the starting lineup, and then Chris Duarte did not play. So Chris Duarte had been starting, and I know his minutes haven't been big, you know, especially last game, but uh, he did not play in this game tonight. Neither did JaVale McGee or Sasha Vazenkov. We saw some different guys in the lineup, including a first-quarter appearance from Juan Toscano Anderson, who was waived and then brought back on a 10-day contract. He got some minutes in this game. Alex Len got minutes, and of course, the Kings played off the bench. The typical Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, and no Davion, right? No, Davion got in late, late. One minute. Yeah, yeah. but let's be honest, he didn't really play. Yeah. Uh, Keon Ellis got some minutes. What do you think, Juan, about the decision to start Kevin Herter tonight? Um, I'm not surprised. I, I, I'm kind of, I go, I do, I'm in this spot where I go, are there behind the scene politics happening or, or are they showcasing talent or are they really looking for answers? I think that's where we are in this time of year where we don't know that answer because we're not, we're not, um, like, I don't know, inside the locker room. We're not insiders, like trying to pick apart, get this information. It's more like, I think Mike Brown's a very transparent person and communicates as much as he can. But at the same time, I go, there's something more to this that we just don't know. So like, I don't think we should sit here and be like, oh man, this is going to be the rotation going forward. There's something else to it. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, find a rotation and stick with it for 10 games, please. I mean, Chris Duarte, I think we've all seen enough now. We Don't we kind of know what he is? He's kind of like best case scenario for a team. He's an energy role player off the bench that if he's on, he can knock down some threes, make some plays defensively. He's not a starting shooting guard in this, this league. I think that's fair. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not. No, I, that's, I mean, yeah. That's we, totally fair. I think the proof is out there. Kevin Herter last year was really good for the Kings for the most part. He had some ups and downs, and of course, he had that stretch, you know, February that was really rough, bounced back in March, bad playoffs, and then this year has not been himself at all. But I'm like, you know, I think Kevin's better than how he's been playing, so give him that chance. I mean, I think we all, we've talked about this too enough with Malik Monk, where you're like, I don't know, maybe you just start Malik Monk because he's really good. It takes some pressure off of Fox in the starting lineup. It makes you even more dynamic as a team when you have that lineup out there. Then you could stagger things. I actually kind of like what they did tonight, Morgan. They went with Malik Monk as the point guard. Now, he's out there a lot running the point guard, usually with Davion or with Keon or with De'Aaron. Tonight, it was no Malik Monk Kevin Herter, Keegan Lyle Sabonis. I liked it. 
I liked it a lot. You know, one, I think Monk can do the job. I think he is playing mm-hmm. more controlled at that spot than he's ever played in his career. He's more comfortable with it. It you you don't really lose any explosiveness. It's different without Fox on the floor, but you still have a guy who can get into the paint, set up his teammates, throw lobs, do a lot out there, and then you surround him with some size. You know, Herder six seven, Keegan. You know, he's obviously got good size at six eight. Trey six eight. Then you've got Sabonis. So uh, that lineup was pretty fun out there. Yeah, I I I'm totally with you, and I I think also you just look at him as the backup point guard with that second unit, he can initiate the offense. I mean, not only is he a score first point guard that has now found such a consistent shot from beyond the arc, but is so reliable when he does get in the paint for the most part by making the, the best decision to either try and finish at the rim high off the glass or even find the cutting open man, you know, or put him in the two man game, put him in the pick and roll with whoever it's like, he makes really good decisions out there. And I know there's some of his games where he has those turnovers or those sloppy plays. And you're like, God, can he clean that up? But we've already seen a leap from Malik Monk clean up a lot of his chaotic nature. Uh, Totally. And and, and, nine assists tonight. That. And I think, I think he's very reliable as not only a team player, but as someone that can be a floor manager out there. And so I absolutely love um, that being part of this rotation. I think right there is such a big reason why we will not be talking about Malik Monk in the starting lineup. Just bring up the bet. But then we keep saying it, give him those 30 minutes. He uh, played 28 minutes and three seconds in this game tonight. No. But but also the game was, you know, done. So maybe he would have played 30 if it was a closer game. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the the one that I think, we, one, this King starting lineup this year, after being so consistent last year in terms of like, hey, guys, we're in it. Talk about just a mixed bag. There's, I mean, we've seen Keon Ellis in there. We've seen Chris Duarte in there, Kevin Herter. I would like to see some stability at some point with that group and see if you can get something out of it. You say that, Deuce. I, I sit here and I go, this it, this isn't it. This isn't it. Oh, it's that. But no, no. Like, like I go, I go, I'm more convinced than ever because of the Kevin Herter and Chris Duarte and not knowing who your shooting guard is. Um, and we're 30 something games, six into the season. Mm -hmm. I go, okay. Like, it's not about, he's not looking for an answer anymore. It's, it's, I, I feel like they're looking for the next step. And I don't know what that means. But my point is, is like, we are not going to be at, I don't even know when the trade deadline is. but February 50, something, 7th-ish? I don't know what, what game that is. Like at 50-something or is that at like whatever? It's February 8th, Thursday, be, yeah. Oh, I know. We're not going to be at game 60, I guess my point is. And this is going to be your starting lineup. Like you can't be, you just can't be because there's no consistency to it. And you look at last year's starting lineup and you go and you, you had the stat in the beginning of the season that that starting lineup played the most minutes together, more, more than any team in the NBA or whatever. Yes. Okay. That was it. And that is just not the case 
this year. And it's not just due to health deer and missing a few games and everything. Guys aren't it, productive. Yeah. Guys are not productive. It doesn't flow right. It's not, it doesn't seem to be like it's um leading to consistent winning basketball. So I'm just, I'm sitting here going like, I could break it down who should be there, who shouldn't, but I just go, this isn't, this isn't going to be the answer going forward at all. You mentioned how many games in will we be by February 8th. Uh, the Kings will be 50 games in actually February 7th. They play the Detroit Pistons at home. And then the next day is trade deadline day. They do not have a game that day. They play the next night. Friday night against the Denver Nuggets. That's February 9th. So looking okay. ahead a bit there. Yeah, you're right. It's not it because there's there's questions, right, about the shooting guard spot. Like, what are you doing with that? But the other one is is the power forward one with Harrison. And, I mean, what do you think? That, that's that's the one where, oh, yeah. like, we haven't seen the change, right? Like, it's it's been that. Now, what we have seen is the minutes go up and down like that game yeah. was tonight, like a roller coaster ride. But... Tonight, Harrison Barnes played 13 minutes and 42 seconds. He did not score. He was 0 for 1. He was 0 for 2 at the line. He had one rebound, one assist in this game. And poor guy. We've seen so much inconsistency from him. And I I know some people are like, why are you saying poor guy? And I'm just saying poor guy because, like, when you do see inconsistency with your minutes too, it's hard. But at the same time, when you're not being productive in your minutes, it's also you're you're putting a lot of pressure on someone to be like, he'll get it together, he'll get it together. And so you have to be productive in your minutes. And he hasn't been, he hasn't been aggressive enough. I don't know if a lot of the 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 trade rumor conversations get in his head. Uh, I don't think it does, head. but I don't know. I don't know. I just don't feel the right vibes around that. I just, I don't know. Yeah, and that's gotta, my, that's my point. I just, that's but, my point. Something feels off. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it goes back to the summertime where there was a report where the Kings were interested. And then like, remember there was a report that the, that Harrison had not heard about the Kings and maybe they were kind of focused on someone else and then free agency, yeah. like a Kuzma, like his, his camp was left in the dark. Yeah. And then, then they came back to him, and, and and so I don't know if there was there's weirdness there. It just it just seems off. And then on the floor, from a production standpoint, it's just not there, right? Like it, he is still able to be a catch and shoot guy. He can mm-hmm. be efficient shooting the ball at times, but his free throw attempts down. And I I mean I can't tell you how many times last year we're like, dude. People want to get on HB, but I'll tell you what, when the team needs a bucket, you can give him the ball. He's going to go get one. Like he had some moments last year. Yeah, Those moments have not happened really at all this year, no. unless you want to go back to opening night. And I know he hit that big three against Orlando. That was fun. But for, for the most part, whether it's something weird or like he just not fitting with what they're doing offensively, yeah. it just doesn't seem right right now. And I, I keep going with this too. We talk about, changes i'm like why if it's not going well with him in this particular role instead of starting him playing him 14 minutes why not bring him off the bench and play 14 minutes maybe he's more productive and put trey lyles there like i'm so i'm so with you on that because because he is a pro hb is a pro and he's going to come to work be a pro and do what he needs to do and that's why like if that was the case like go with it make that adjustment I, i wasn't even thinking about um, you know, that's some, that, that's, that's an adjustment that we don't talk about enough when it comes to Harrison Barnes. And I think when you look at him and how he played last year, uh, 
obviously having his frustrating moments, but showing up for 82 games. Yeah. He showed up to work. That is what he did. That is what he's known to do. Right now, if his minutes are getting pulled back by that much and your tone in these games are not being set by your starting lineup, I think someone like Trey Lyles, I think that's a great a great adjustment. We definitely don't talk about enough. Yeah, I know we mentioned a few weeks back, but we haven't brought up lately. So I'm looking at his numbers this year compared to last year. Last year, he averaged 15 a game. He averaged 4.5 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 47% shooting, 37% from three. The efficiency is really good this year. He's taking 1.6 fewer shots per game, but he's shooting 48%, 41% from three on about the same attempts per game as compared to last year. The big drop-off for him has just been free-throw attempts. He went from taking five per game to now 2.3 a game. His rebounding's dropped from 4.5 to 3. Now, some of it, too, is Keegan's getting more opportunity now. He's getting more touches. He may be getting more rebounds. Though that That's whatever. But I just, it doesn't feel like you're getting enough out of him in that that's particular it. role. Like. It's, you know, defensively, we already know the issues with him dealing with some of these guys. He's got to try to defend. It's just not, he doesn't have the lateral speed with some of the wings and then kind of undersized for some of the bigger guys. I just, if I'm trying new things, which Mike has, Mike Brown has shown, like he's not afraid to do with this lineup. I would go, yeah, let's HB, you want to come off the bench, man? Let's just see if we can get you going some different looks, get you playing with Malik a little bit, get you some looks, maybe get you some ISOs, get to the free throw line. And ah. then you know Lyles. Lyles will fit in with the starters. He's got for size. Sure. He can rebound. I mean, there could be some challenging matchups defensively for him at times. But, but like, there's, is there is it really going to be that big of a difference? Right. That's it. No, yeah. I, think, I think this is. I'm having an epiphany right now. Um, no, I, I think that's such a, it's such a great way to look at it. And I think even with you just saying that, like Mike Brown being like, Hey, how about you come off the bench? HB is a pro he's done this stuff before and yeah, uh, it, adjustments need to be made and tweaks need to be made. And if it's not going to be, Hey, a big old trade right now, then make the tweaks internally. Yeah. Figure it out with not just – it can't be uh, Kevin Herter being the scapegoat or Harrison Barnes being the scapegoat. It's like, do more. Let's do more. I, I see a couple people in the chat mentioning, oh, you can't bench him because that will hurt his trade value. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it, No, it's – okay, fine. He starts tonight and plays 13 minutes and 42 seconds. That's more – that's better? Like, yeah. no. Like, you could still play him, but maybe it leads to him being more productive and it allows teams to go – Oh yeah, maybe in this bench role, like whatever it is, like so. Yep. I'm and I, I just I don't buy that part. It's not like he's playing 37 minutes a night in the starting lineup, and you're gonna go, hey, he shouldn't play at all. The guy played 14 minutes. He has had many games this year where he's played 16 minutes. They're going with different guys, and I'm like, all right, well, why don't you try that? You've had a kind of a revolving door at the at the two spot. Maybe you should consider something else at the four spot if you're looking to tweak anything at all. Um, okay, so we spent some time talking about that. Who else should we talk about tonight? There's anyone else that jumped out to you? Um, or, anything, or anything else? Um, No, not really. I mean, I, I feel like we pretty much hit on a lot of the individuals. It's, 
it's always interesting when you look down the list and you go, even Davion Mitchell only seen a minute after, you know, being the, the first guy in over Keon uh, the other night. And then uh, it was nice seeing Alex Len being the first big, yes. one of the first bigs to come in, being the backup. Sasha Vazenkov, even at one point I looked down the list, I'm like, another DMP, just That's like. A great example of someone that I think should probably pl be playing. It's like, especially on a night you're going, well, Harrison Barnes isn't playing well, then give Sasha a little opportunity. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it with, with the rotation and, um, they're searching and that's where it's at. I mean, and, and so like, look, we got what this podcast has been a roller coaster ride tonight. We talk about that <laughs> first quarter being, uh, and then we're like, oh man, quarters two through four, Keegan did this. The bonus was awesome. Fox got it going. Monk did his thing. But then you're like, yeah, but what about this tonight? You know, like, oh, what about this? And you know, it's just weird to be 36 games in and searching and, the Kings aren't the only team in the West that's kind of in this similar record yeah. with similar issues. You know, the yes. Lakers have tweaked things. The Warriors are constantly tweaking things with their lineup. The list goes on. It's been a little unstable in the NBA right now. Well, it's been strange, but they, you're right. I, they have to figure it out. And it goes back to what we talked about where we spent so much time already talking about the trade deadline coming up because the Kings were involved in, you know, some rumors earlier this week where you're like, yeah, I don't think they can wait until February ninth to do it uh -uh. nope they can't they got to be one of the first teams to punch hard if yeah. they want to go for some people some um pieces out there but you're but deuce you make a good point about a lot of the west and where everyone it feels like a lot of uh, a lot of teams are are a little discombobulated you got you know draymond coming back on the bench and this in the team losing by a lot you have john morant that's going to be out for the season yep. now with his injury and um it's you can go down the list the only thing that i was just i think a lot of us were expecting from this king's team was to grow on top of what they did last year and i think there you're seeing a lot of growth within individuals which has led to better records so far this season but you the the concerns with the flaws i think are more valid with the inconsistency through 36 games it's like usually you find this identity in your rotations and a little bit more after 20 25 games and now we're at 36 and it's like whoa they're 22 and 14 so still Eight games above 500 with a matchup with the Hornets coming up tomorrow night. Of course, we're live for that after that game, too. It's going to be a late night chat because Morgan's going to be driving back from San Francisco to do the show in studio. One thing I was thinking about for tomorrow night, Morgan, it's been a while. I think in the back half of the pod when we're stretching our legs a little bit, and I know you're going to be tired, okay? but I'm just I'm not going to be tired. Um, I think we should... I may I may try to get a little Twitter Spaces action going, some Discord going, and get some calls in with some people who want to like sound off about trade ideas or ideas for the team in general. You know, sure. It's a Wednesday night, and there's no yeah. I think I think it's a good idea. Just kind of like stretch your leg, you know. Yeah, yeah. Stretch our legs. What would you guys say in the chat? Would be the Sharif Jewelers moment of the game. Kings win oh. tonight, 131 to 110. The Pistons are now 3-34 and 34 in the season, by the way. God, man. Can you imagine? Also, no, no. side note, as we wait for people to give their moments of the game in the chat, and I want yours okay. too. 
the one player who did not play tonight for the Pistons, DNP CD, Marvin Bagley the third. I know. You know, I was thinking about when they they showed him on the bench a couple of times. And I'm just like, well, I wonder what's going through his mind. Like, specifically tonight. Like, you know, when he got traded to the Pistons for Trey Lyles, think about that. It was like new opportunity for him. Like, oh, this is kind of like a, a new chance, a fresh start. It didn't work out in Sacramento. They didn't like him to go there. They end up giving him a, a new deal out of it, too. And then now they're playing James Wiseman ahead of him. He's, like, he's literally not playing. It's not because he's hurt. He's not playing right now on a team that is now 3-34. and 34, And then your old team comes to town. I don't know. I felt, I felt bad. That's what I did too. I, I'm being well, serious. I think no matter how people feel about Marvin Bagley, his dad, all the things, Marvin Bagley was, a, he and he is, a really sweet dude. And sometimes he doesn't have the right people around him or supporting him or telling him the right things. But I mean, he was always a very sweet dude, whether people give a shit about that or not. And my point is, it just like, you feel for someone that wants to like attack their old organization or like get those moments. Instead, he's on a three and 33 team and getting a DMP against his old team. And I just, yeah. I felt it tonight for him. Yeah, damn. I know. Is his dad on tw- is his dad on Twitter tonight? I don't know. That's the one guy I, I don't feel bad for. I same. Like he was. Although I always check myself on that, and I had this conversation, I believe, with Sam Mamick a couple of weeks ago, where I'm like, you know, my one thing, you know, when we we talk about these dads, I'm like, as someone who had a shit dad who wasn't in my life, at least that guy is present. And, and, and kids celebrating them. Yes. Yep. Whether you know it's, it's in a very chaotic way or not. Yeah. 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 But I was just thinking about him tonight. And then on the other hand, there's just so many Pistons Kings angles. Like when you think about like, yeah, the Marvin Bagley sitting there not playing. Then you had like the Jaden Ivy Keegan dynamic. And then mm-hmm. Keegan was awesome tonight. A lot of people yeah. mentioning Keegan as maybe the moment of the night. Um, someone saying Keegan going ham. Keegan dribbles down the court, shoves his defender and dunks the ball. Keegan mm. step back three. Mm. Keegan Murray diving on the floor. That was a good moment. If, yes, all three, all three of those plays. Can we do three moments of the game? Kyle oh saying my. Sabonis dunking on Duran and screaming to change the yes. momentum. That, I, that was going to be my moment, but then all these Keegan moments got me pumped. Yeah. So. Uh, Chris says moment of the game for me was a Sabonis thunder dunk in the scream. That, so many people are mentioning that play of the game was the towel boy wiping up Sabonis's blood all the way up the court. <laughs> yeah, Sabonis bleeding tonight. That's fine. Uh, just Sabonis bleeding. Coolers uh, moment of the game. I go Keegs. Keegs game. Keegs game. We saw step back threes. Dunks. Diving on the floor. Diving. And he did it against. You know, probably he's got a little extra for it. I don't know. It's not like the Pistons passed on him. I mean, the Kings, the Kings passed on Ivy technically, right? But still, I think the narrative around it was just like no one was talking about Keegan draft night. I don't know if he's got that in him where he gets a little fired up for something like that. Maybe he just I'm, plays no matter what. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's got to be deep down somewhere. Man, 
Um, no, it's I'm I'm really just here to play basketball. Yeah, you know, I was just out there just kind of trying to play and like yeah, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> Played well tonight, and like that, that's King's basketball, you know. Oh, I love him. Uh, uh, we do need to mention that tonight's podcast presented by our friends over at Northwest Exteriors. If you're looking for new windows on your house, it's a no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you go to a company where like the average person there has been there 16 years, right? That's pretty insane. Um, so yeah, one stability, one local. They are Kings fans too. And right now they have a great special. If you upgrade your window system with energy saving windows, <laughs> you're going to get hooked up. Northwest Exteriors will pay your energy bill, receive up to a thousand dollar credit toward your energy bill. Just by going to Northwest Exteriors, you can call them at one eight 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 trust NW or visit trustnorthwest.com. Morgan Reagan, tell the people why they should go. Well, you should go because one, we already talked about how much money you can save. But two, this is the thing. I always just tell people, go get the free quote. Go get the free quote because you won't regret it. One, it's free. Two, you can figure out, okay, is is there a room I can get done? Is the whole house something I can get done? Is there something else? Did I actually want siding instead? What is it that I want? So make sure that you just reach out and go get your free quote. Because they are... Simply the best. Trust Northwest. It'd be so cool if they use my vocals on their actual That'd commercial. Be, that would be so cool. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, I asked the chat this poll question, Morgan. Yes. Who was the player of the game? The options that they were presented. Damana Sabonis, 37 points, 13 rebounds. Excuse me, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. Keegan Murray with 32. Monk with 29. And Fox with 26. 73% of the people voted for. Do you have any ideas? Any guesses? Sabonis. Sabonis. Keegan got 25% of the, of the vote and Monk and Fox with 1%. Nice. Let's see who Deuce Mason made the rock and soul player of the game. It's the Monis Sabonis. Hey. He is our rock and soul player of the game after having another triple double, his 41st of his career. And Morgan, he is just on a roll right now with the numbers he is putting up. And I, I, I know we talk about him a lot because he's been doing some great things out there but this is a stretch of games for him where he is just absolutely destroying and that was a good bounce back performance for him absolutely i mean and you look at the way that he was playing on the defensive end too he had three steals tonight but it was just his arm straight up staying vertical and just being active i just i appreciate his energy and effort throughout the entire game yeah so check out rock and soul diner by the way they're in downtown sacramento just six blocks away from golden one center on 10th and S, right? There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I question myself on that. Uh, make sure to check them out. Breakfast all day. No brainer. Local. Go get it. And they've got deals galore. Just tell them you listen to Do Some Mo podcast. Um, Morgan, here's another Sabonis one for you. Mm-hmm. 
Sabonis is on pace to become just the fourth player in NBA history to average 20, 12, and 7 for a season. The other three, Oscar Robertson, did it in 1962. Wilt Chamberlain did it in 1967 and 68. And Nikola Jokic did it in 2022. Jeez. I mean... That's ridiculous. It, that's, it is. It's, and it's also... They're the fifth seed in the West right now. It's not like they're losing basketball. It's or it's it's translated into losing basketball, and it's not actually um, working for this organization. I think I think we just as people that are fans and cover this team, we're just expecting more from this entire team. And we want that to translate into championship basketball, not just the fifth seed in the West. And I get that. And it's going to all come together, especially when you have someone that is playing that efficient uh, type of basketball. And that's why I want to emphasize this point you're making Morgan, because he is playing basketball at a level that not many players play. We just rattle off a list of great players. Sabonis is matching that. Let's get this guy some help, man. This guy deserves to win. There is, there's not many guys in the NBA who play as hard as Demonis Sabonis plays Agreed. every single night. Agreed. He's not perfect by any means. We know this, but I'll tell you this: it's not from a lack of just busting his ass. And even in that first quarter, if there was one guy on the court that was just nonstop playing physical, trying to get his team some juice, it was Demonis Sabonis, and. I, that that to me is not something that shows up on the box where you don't go, oh, you know what? He played with emotion most of the night, played with physicality for 17 minutes. It's like, no, like this is just what he does. He goes out there and he plays one way. And I think it, it can be contagious. And I hope like he can keep it going and play that way because I, I know a dunk and a yell, you go, oh, what's a big deal? I'm sorry. When I when you're watching that game in San Francisco, when I'm watching the game in Sacramento, all these people who are Kings fans around the world are watching Sabonis jam it and scream. They're getting pumped up. I would yep. hope their teammates would get pumped up for something like that too, and 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 play with that type of force consistently. Yeah. No. I I'm I'm totally with you, and I think uh, it's not this like, and people are gonna be like, what does that mean? It's not this fake energy, or he's not. He's not a fake tough guy. He's not a fake energy guy. Like everything that he gives out there is authentic. Mm -hmm. And you're right. When there's authenticity to a lot of the emotions that can be contagious. And you just hope that it will keep bleeding on into the other players, especially at the beginning of a game. So then they can all play at that level and they don't get in some of these holes. Exactly. I loved it. Loved it. Do you want to hear what Mike Brown had to say about Keegan Murray, especially with what happened to him in the second quarter where he had 13 points, Morgan? Sure. Hopefully you can hear it. Uh, here's what Mike Brown had to say. This is what he had to say, Morgan. And I'm going to play okay. it right in a second. If you're just patient, I don't know why you're being so impatient. Um, particularly the, the burst. I think it was a 7 nothing burst that he just had in the second quarter. Just what stood out to you about Keegan in that moment? And it also seemed like there, there was some defense leading to offense in that season. Yeah, I, I thought he mixed it up. It, you know, he didn't just settle for the three. He didn't just settle for the little step back. He got to the rim. He shot the pull-up. He shot a floater. He shot a couple of threes. And then, like you said, that defense generated some easy looks on the offense end of the floor, and he was a beneficiary of a couple of those. And, and you know, he's a guy, when he sees one or two go down, look out, that thing is, 
like an ocean to him. Yeah, Morgan. Love that quarter from Keegan Murray. And his defense fired me up. He was just active, had a couple of blocked shots. He brought it. He did. And um, we didn't make him our rock and soul player of the game, but he did get our Sharif Jewelers moment of the game with a lot of his big moments. Look, he, he was a candidate, okay? I want you to get a 37-point <laughs> triple-double and get back to me, all right? Uh, Mike Brown also post game was asked about playing Juan Toscano Anderson. Here's what he had to say. I know. I think it was the Atlanta game when you went with Davion, and that kind of wasn't really the plan. Was was the move to go to Juan in in this scenario kind of similar? Like we just need a change of energy, maybe switch this up in a way that we didn't really for, foresee before the game. For sure, Juan. Juan. I mean, he just got back in uniform I think tonight before the game and so I, I didn't plan on playing him I just th thought we needed a little jolt of energy I thought we needed something defensively we needed guys that, that, that would fly around and and uh, so I call Juan's number that's what he does so there he is talking about Juan Toscano Anderson who was chaotic tonight a little bit of what you expect out there but the one thing I do like about him you know and breaking class you know in case of emergency right break glass in case of emergency is what he's trying to say uh but you needed a little life you just gave up 47 points i'm gonna go desperate to a guy that like i know one thing about one is he's gonna come out there and he's just gonna play hard he'll rebound now offensively he's not really a threat at all he hesitated on the corner three missed it hesitated around the basket like he's not totally comfortable at times in that regard but Max effort guy who plays physical, sometimes too physical. He's going to rebound. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that you hope to do every night, but I think the Kings, that's one area that the Kings are missing is that kind of guy who can do that consistently every night. You know how I, I've said this to you before. I know we've talked about how some players need to be communicated with differently than others. Personalities are all different, all these things. But I've also said this to you before. I said, if you know what your coach's personality is or what your coach wants, give them that, like do that. And JTA is giving Mike Brown exactly what he wants. Now, obviously he would want more. He would want, he wants more out of him, but like, you're not going to get that from um, a guy that knows that he's supposed to be in a certain role. But the reason why he's, getting even some of those minutes and that opportunity at all is because he's the guy that is going to bring that sort of energy and bring that type of intensity and physicality out there. And I just look at someone like Kevin Herter, where I go, you are so capable and you are still getting these starting minutes or you're coming off the bench and getting these opportunities in your little bit of minutes, just always make sure that you're doing that because that is the way that you will find a way to stay on yeah. the floor. Even for Harrison well, Barnes. Someone in the chat was mentioning miles is like, I know a guy, Matisse Thibel. And that, that that's exactly it. That type of guy who's like, yes. you don't you don't expect him to go out there and score. You just want him to be active, long play defense without fouling, be a steals guy, block some shots, contest at the rim, play good perimeter defense. And, uh, you know, the Kings are searching. So that's why, like, hey, whose who's turn is it? Uh, Scott Anderson, get one down. You know, Duarte, get one down. It just depends on the searching. Like you said, it's not a great spot to be in right now uh, when you're searching for that type of stuff. But you got the win. You got the damn win. Got the dub. Let's go. Um, 
Coming up for the Kings, a quick turnaround. They take on the Hornets. It should be noted, Cody Martin is questionable for the game. P.J. Washington, who has been kind of a Kings killer over the years, mm-hmm. is doubtful for the game. Oh. Uh, LaMelo Ball is still out. Same with Gord Hayward. Nilakina is still out, and so is Mark Williams. But they still have Terry Rogier. Scary Terry, who gets buckets, Harry. who just dropped, I think, 39 last night against OKC. Um, but this is a game where, uh, a second night of a back-to-back, you just play. I don't care. Morgan, I feel the same about tomorrow's game against Charlotte as I did about this game. Same. Take care of business. And not, not hey, we squeaked out a win tonight. No, this team just came to your house, and you don't play well. Like, I need you to come out against a shorthanded team who is not very good, who's not good offensively, who's not really good defensively, and then come out and crush them. Yep. Oh, sorry. I thought you No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just kind of stopped. <laughs> it was funny because I wasn't looking at your face, so I thought you were going to continue. But, yeah, I, I'm – how many times have we said this, though, against this type of team? I, right? know, is, I know, but I want lessons to be learned. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. And I – I can say what I want to see. I can say what I hope to see, but I'm not even sitting here, Deuce, and saying this is what I expect this team to do because they haven't shown me that they can do that on a consistent basis. They just lost to the Charlotte Hornets at home. So I, I go I go into tomorrow's game and I go, I hope they can be the team that they hope that I hope they are later on in this in this season, but I just don't know right now at this point, but I'm excited to see how it starts at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So the Kings lost. Oh, my God. I'm just, you know, you try to forget games like this. Uh, the Hornets beat them 111 to 104 in that game. Stupid Miles Bridges at 27. Rogier had 34. And then P.J. Washington had 17 off the bench. The Kings shot 43% in that game. Um, yeah, and that starting lineup will be different because Chris Duarte got the start that night for the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, you you have to come out. But I, I also feel like you're at a point with this team that you don't trust them. You That's it. Specifically, That's- you, they are like a, a boyfriend that cheated on you in high school, right? Yeah, I mean that that I would say that's a little worse. Like that trust issue is more like. Oh, I like, think it's I, the Kings are. Yeah, it's the Kings no, are way worse. No, than getting cheated on. no, I'm yes. saying the Kings aren't like. I feel like the relationship with the Kings and the wins losses, like it's not as like toxic as something as a boyfriend. <laughs> they have lost by an average of sixteen and a half points a game. They've lost. They've been down. 30 plus in a game five times, uh, 40 plus multiple times. They're on 50 at home. This is, that's toxic. But deuce, shut up. Shut, shut up. They still have a winning record. They have more wins right now than they had last year at this time. So just because you're expecting more from this team right now, this isn't the finished product. And this unfinished product is still, still producing more W's 
right now than they were last year at this time. Okay. And I think, and like, here's my thing. If anyone thinks that's, that's a cop out in any way, shape or form, I like bullshit. It's not, it's literally just me going now more so than ever by the record. What did I do last year? I said, I don't give a shit if there's uh, how many wins and how many losses? I don't give a shit about the record. And everyone thought that was a cop-out. And now this year, I care more about the record and where it's at, even though I'm still breaking down and analyzing what they're doing in losses and the inconsistent basketball that the Kings are playing. I am still satisfied with where the record is at. And yes, yeah. I it could be better because they could have beat this team and this team and this team, but it is what it is. And I'm happy with the record right now. Yes. I think when you take a step, I'm happy with the record, but man, it, it like I said today, uh, I was on pregame. Oh it yeah. It feels way different this year. It, and it I feels, said, okay. how many times do you? No, no, many, I'm just, I'm I've just making that clear. Yeah. I've been saying that since the beginning of this season. I said, doesn't feel as good. Doesn't feel as good. But then I take a step back and I go, well, this year, what matters is the win-loss column. Because last year, I wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel like this team was going in the right direction. And it was. It was going in the right direction in losses. And it was going in the right direction in wins. And this year, it's not going in the right direction with losses. Because they're not good losses at all. They're not like battling it out till the end losses, but it's going in the right direction with the record. And the record is what ultimately that counts when you go into the postseason, when you go, when you're in the Western conference, all these things. So that's, that is where I'm at. So how do they earn your trust back? What will oh, it take I, for them to earn Morgan Reagan's trust back? I don't trust this team at all. I don't trust. I mean, they are so inconsistent. I do not trust them. Um, what will it take? What if they won every game on this road trip? It no, 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 no. Like Deuce, you have I think, to. You know what you need to do? You need to see how they perform. Like they have to play a good team and be mm. in it and play compete. Like what? What do you have to see? What, there's got. They, have, have, they to have to be able to earn your trust back at some point. I have to see. I have to see strong wins against teams that they're supposed to beat. Charlotte Hornets, bad teams, whatever. Strong wins. I have to see good basketball being played against the good teams. And I'm not talking about, I'm not even saying I need to see wins against the Boston Celtics. I just need to see good battle out basketball and it better come down to the wire. You know what I mean? It better, like if, if you're not going to pull out that W, it sure as hell better come down to the wire and it better be a good four quarters of basketball. I just don't want to feel disappointed after a loss anymore. And it, after every single one of these losses, I have felt disappointed. That is where I'll feel my trust back is when I don't feel disappointed after a loss. How's that? that? That's the best line. That's Thank the you. best line is you will earn my trust back when I don't feel disappointed after a loss. And I, I just to clarify that, you're disappointed after every loss. Everybody is it, losing sure. sucks in ge general, but we know what losing has felt like this year. And it's like, what? All like, losing is year? not created equally. Yeah. But you know, what's weird. I feel like it has to be a sustained thing to your point, because if you, if right now, all the losses feel bad. And I think even like if you had a close loss tonight, we would still feel terrible. Right. But it, it's, you're right. It's about competing and being playing more consistent basketball. So 
Chapter 36, uh, The King's Win. It was ugly. What's chapter 37 have? We'll read that book in that chapter tomorrow night. Oh, I love it. What if I we did a whole podcast like that? Is I wrote a chapter on the game and I just read it like that. That would be annoying. I'm glad we did it this way instead. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was a fun roller coaster ride of a podcast. Uh, final thoughts, Morgan. You're going to dinner. Who are you going to dinner with? I'm going to dinner with my bestie Kendra and my bestie Anna, oh, and we're wow. gonna we're gonna eat. Uh, they're keeping this sushi place open just for us. Whoa, uh, Morgan Rankin's in town. We must. No, everyone, it's not- stay late. Oh, you have a kid at home. Sorry, Morgan's in town. We must feed her sushi. Hey, I'm gonna be late. Piece I'm piece of late. crap. All right, uh, we love you guys so much. Make sure to drop comments below. Let us know how you felt about the game, what you think about this road trip coming up. We love you guys, but we gots to go. You all have a wonderful rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. The podcast that you know. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.